how to unlock creativity and trust. Today we are going to discuss this topic. It's very important to know because we have a lot of generic messages. It doesn't provoke the trust feeling. That's why I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Melanie Diesel. How are you? Good, good. I'm excited to chat about this. Yeah, big pleasure. I love to speak with book offers. Uh, I see your awesome books on your background. <laughs> Melanie, before we start, just tell more about your self-experience background, about your books and how these books can help readers, uh, including me, you know, to get benefits, uh, to improve creativity and trust. Yeah, so I'm a journalist turned marketer so I'm taking all the things that I learned uh, as a journalist how to talk to people how to find stories how to make content interesting for audiences and applying that now in the marketing world so I spent some time at the New York Times the Huffington Post Time Incorporated and for the last eight years or so I've been out on my own working primarily as a as a speaker an educator and a corporate trainer uh, trying to help teach those same skills to folks in the marketing world so the Content Feel Framework and Prove It are my two books. Uh, content Feel Framework is, is all about how to come up with content ideas. So if you're having any sort of like writer's block or you're feeling stuck or you mentioned generic messages, a lot of time if you've been in business for a while, you feel like I'm saying the same things over and over, then that book is a, is a great resource to help come up with additional content ideas. And Prove It uh, is all about, this just came out in October, and it's all about how you can use content to back up your business claims. So we're telling our audience a lot of things. We're making a lot of promises, setting their expectations, um, but making sure that we're also creating content that proves that those claims are true. So we're showing them and not just telling them all these wonderful things about us. Nice, nice. Uh, Melanie, uh, we chatted a little bit before the podcast and uh, I told you, uh, you know, I'm so busy. I have no time to read all books. I love reading books, but it's a pity that I have only 24 <laughs> hours a day, but Elon uh. Musk has the same time, you know, so <laughs> we are on the same boat. And uh, uh, can you give me a strong reason to read your books? You know, uh, what kind of benefits can I get by reading your books? Because I, I usually choose priorities what yeah. can help me more and uh, give a strong reason to my audience, you know, what kind of benefits they can get by reading your books. Sure. So one thing that I think is is really special about uh, the books that I create is I really strive to have no fluff. So the books are not long. Um, they're very well organized, a lot of white space. Like it's not going to be a stressful read. It's going to be something you can do in probably two hours or so. Um, and the goal is just to give you the most actionable information possible. So one of the pieces of feedback that I get all the time uh, from folks is, wow, that was a really quick read, or it's something that I keep nearby as a resource because it's really easy to move around in. Uh, so if you're looking for something that is a quick read, but is going to give you a lot of actionable things you can take right away, then I think that's a, a good enough reason, hopefully, to, to make it move up in your queue. Yeah, nice, nice. I, I love practical tips because, you know, if you learn a lot, read a lot and do nothing, you get nothing. So we need yeah. to do something, you know, because, <laughs> and we have short memory. Uh, I like the method that Bill Gates uh, uses. Uh, he uh, reads books and makes notes and think how he, he can implement, execute in uh, information from books. So yeah, I love it because it's not like quantity, it's more about quality of getting this information. And Absolutely. Melanie, Let's talk about uh, trust. Uh, it's very important. 
uh, I remember like 12 years ago when I started my digital marketing journey, I didn't consider trust because competition was low, so yeah. low. Today, it's hard. It's hard uh, to convince customers because they have choices. They can choose your competitor. So can yeah. you tell how to provoke this trust feeling? hundred percent. Yeah. So um, essentially what we want to think about is that whatever metric is most important for you. So if that's purchases, downloads, signups, whatever it is that you're measuring, that is preceded by trust. Trust comes first. People don't sign up with people that they don't trust. They don't buy from companies they don't trust. They don't subscribe to people they don't trust. So you don't necessarily have to think of trust as the thing you should be measuring, but just with that understanding that in order to get them to whatever that final step is, I have to earn their trust first. And so it becomes sort of like a, a lens that you put over all the things that you're doing to say, how can I make this more credible? How can I make this something that People are, are more likely to trust. How can I be more transparent with my audience if they feel like they're getting the truth from me? Uh, so it's kind of something that you put over all the things that you do. Um, but the primary thing to think about is that we, as you said, you know, people are very skeptical. There's a lot of competition and uh, people have lots of reasons to be skeptical. There's lots of scam artists out there. There's lots of people making promises they don't keep. So what we need to do is help our customers, help our, our potential customers feel comfortable that we're going to deliver on those promises that we make, that we actually do deliver those results, that we can achieve the things we're promising. And the best way to do that is to actually show them that you've done it before. So yeah. case studies, you know, corroborating, back up your claims by, you know, having clients or experts kind of talk about the work that you do and the results you've created, you know, testimonials work really well for that. You can demonstrate it by just actually showing them, like show them that you're doing the work, show them, uh, you know, you going about your day to day as you're as you're making the the promises come true that you talk about all the time. Yeah, nice, nice. Love it. Love it. I agree with that. Okay, uh, let me share a story. I know book offers love sharing stories. Uh, you know, when I read any book, I can uh, consume all the stories. I can live on the stories. You know, uh, sometimes I can forget about meal, water. Uh, sleep because I'm part of the story. And uh, uh, but this story is about creativity. Uh, Lloyd Richardson uh, published a book 11 years ago, uh, and he spent 14 years to write this book. After publishing, uh, nobody bought this book. Probably he got some sales, but not good. Uh, uh, and he spent 11 years with marketing sales, but nobody cared about this book. Then his daughter posted content on TikTok about this book from account with zero followers. This video became viral, plus 50 million people watched this video. And this book is bestseller on Amazon. Uh, of course, I watched this video because uh, I want to know how to film video that uh, can earn like uh, 50 million views uh, to make a book bestseller on Amazon and what I found. It's simple, not the best ever design, just simple design, but creative, so creative. You know, after watching this video, I got curiosity. 
I want to read this book. I'm interested to read this book because uh, what kind of book is this? If offer spent 14 years to write a book. I know book offers usually spend like six months, a year, two, two years, but uh, 14 years, it's a lot. So uh, this video provoked curiosity and that was creative. It's not like generic messages. I don't know how many videos after that uh, film that some someone spent like uh, 12 years, uh, 20 years, but because uh, when you create first, you can be creative. Can you tell about creativity? How to be creative compared to a lot of marketing messages that we have today? Yeah, creativity is one of those things that is very difficult to, to define, right? Because different people see it differently and it's very situational. You know, what's creative for that book? That might not work for... Uh, you know, a food brand, the same tactic might not work. So um, generally speaking, when people see something and say, wow, that's really creative, it's a signal that there's something different about it. And, you know, different could mean that you're using a different format than usual. It could mean, you know, in your case, you said this, this book, they took a lot longer to write it than other books. So that stood out in your mind. It's like, wow, this is, this is different. Something's, something's different here. Um, so that's a, one of the things you can do is really just look for ways to be different. Um, now, not all type of different is good. There are certain things that we do that are for a good reason. But when we're thinking of our marketing, you know, are is there a different place we could be marketing that we're not like choosing TikTok if that's not a place where you've promoted the book before? Is there a different way we could do it? You know, normally we talk about the book. Well, what if we show the book? What if we read an excerpt from the book? What if we illustrate, you know, the first scene of the book so that people want to know what's coming next? Um, and then thinking about how do we deliver that? So delivering it through video, delivering it through uh, maybe there's an infographic that shows how long they took to write it and what are all the places over those 14 years where the book was written and uh, how many words are in it, right? So just thinking of, what are the what are things that are different? How can I do something that I don't see other people doing all the time? That kind of response often comes when people see something that's really standing out as different. And that's something they teach us in journalism school is that uh, difference or uniqueness is one of the main things that people care about when they're looking at the news. Um, there's this phrase where they say, you know, if a dog bites a man, that's not news. Like dogs bite people all the time. But if a man bites a dog, people want to know about it because that doesn't usually happen, right? It's something surprising. It's different. So um, hopefully no, no biting involved, but look for those things you can do that are going to stand out because it's different than what people are seeing everywhere else. Yeah. Love it. Love it. By the way, I found that journalists are much better copywriters than copywriters. You know, if you have this background, it's true. because it's different mindset. Copywriters... Mm -hmm are looking for ways how to write a lot more, but journalists are looking for ways how to share something new, yeah. valuable. Yeah, <laughs> so, well, yeah. and oftentimes to write less, right? When in journalism, yeah. I mean, uh, it's less so of a problem now that everything is so online. We have sort of unlimited space to write, but the origins of journalism and how we're trained come from you have this much space, like this is how much room there is in the newspaper for your story. It has to fit in this, this box, right? Or it has to fit in one column only this long. So we're used to trying to be as efficient with our words as possible and, and not include any fluff, really try to get straight to the point. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Okay, Melanie, uh, my question about uh, business content, business book, because you write business books. And uh, for example, if I compare, uh, I don't know, any entertainment book, for example, Jack London, I love this offer. I think uh, he 
one less, you know, he got my mind, uh, heart, everything. Uh, because when I take any of his book, I can live on this book. Uh, but I found some business books are good for sleep, you know. Yeah, really. <laughs> you know, when, when you have problems with sleep, you can take it. It's you true. know, it's it's valuable, valuable. You you need it, but it's boring. And once I spoke with Jim Edwards. He worked in Business Insider 10 years. Then company was sold for $500 million. Uh, uh, great success. And he told me that success of Business Insider depends on creating non-boring content. So if you are talking about business, it's boring. But Business Insider found the way how to create non-boring content. Uh, can you tell how to do it? Uh, how to create non-boring content in business niche, in books, in uh, blog articles, everywhere? Yeah, I think there's uh, there's a couple different ways to do it. And obviously, different people think different things are are exciting. But stories are one of the really important ways to do that. So generally speaking, if you're just looking at a long list of things, you know, a phone book, a list of phone numbers of everyone in a town, it's not exciting to read. It's the same thing over and over. It's not interesting. If you start creating uh, a story, if you start having beginning, middle, and end, you start asking questions, having curiosity, uh, you know, revealing things as you go, it starts to make it more interesting because people want to know what's coming next. Uh, the other thing you can do is I, look, look for the tension, right? Look for the tension. Why should people care about this topic? What's at risk for them? Why is this topic important? You have to understand what that is in order to get people to engage with it. Because if you uh, are just writing about it because it's helpful for you, it, it doesn't do much for your audience. They have to understand why should I care about this? What's in this for me? What what will I get if I keep reading, keep learning? Um and then again, the other thing you can do is do something surprising. I think being surprising always works. You know, there's, we see these stories all the time of, you know, of videos going viral or, you know, a, a local business does something really interesting and it makes the national news, you know, these kinds of things when you can stand out, it's, it says, wow, they're, they're thinking about this differently. Like I never thought I would care so much about this particular topic, but they're having fun. They're dancing, they're singing, they're, you know, making a joke and that's not expected. So looking for those things like the tension, especially, you know, what's at stake, why should people care and emphasizing that, uh, using stories to kind of draw people in and, and carry them along to the finish line. And then, you know, just finding ways to, to stand out and do something a little different. I think that's a good way for you to differentiate yourself from a lot of the other more dry business content that's out there. Yeah, yeah, surprising. I love this word. I remember when I watched a movie with my mom and uh, after watching some time, I, you know, I felt that I know the end and mm -hmm. I told her the end. And uh, when it happened, she told me I watched this movie. <laughs> you know? So, But that was similar to a hundred other uh, movies like this. So yeah, <laughs> that was not hard to predict. Right. Uh, yeah, Melanie, uh, let's talk about something that uh, people are discussing a lot today ai i think it's not like the future it's present and mm -hmm. that was simple to ignore hard today impossible tomorrow and uh, i spoke with jim uh, with uh, jeff coil jeff coil mm -hmm. he's co-founder of market news and he told me in the future we'll have three companies first company will create ai develop this technology the mm -hmm. second company will adapt AI 
to these technologies and the third types of companies will be obsolete who mm. can leave the trade so can you tell how you adapt ai today because uh you know the last time we got a lot of discussions it's it's not replacement yeah because uh when it appealed uh most discussions were it's replacement or not today we can understand we can adapt to this technology so right. your thoughts about ai yeah so it's i've been talking about this a lot recently um you know i just recently co-founded uh the creator kitchen which is like a membership mastermind for creators and obviously there's a lot of concerns from our members like you know should we worry about ai how can we use it as a tool so we're talking about this a lot um one thing that i think is really uh incredible is if you think of uh, my co-founder jay kunzo says to think of AI like your intern. It's someone who's helping you. So yeah. things that would normally take you a lot of time or, you know, are not necessarily unique to you, things like researching, data entry, outlines, making lists, finding sources, uh, you know, doing research, all these things uh, can be much faster and much more efficient if you use AI to help them. Um, so I'll give you a really tangible example of something I like to do with AI. Um, when I'm outlining an article or, you know, outlining a book project or something, I love to paste that into, you know, chat GPT, whatever AI generative tool I'm using and ask, this is an outline for whatever your purpose is. Yeah. Are there any major topics or themes that are missing from this outline? And it does a really good job because it's looking at all the conversation around a topic to say, hey, yes, there's actually two different things that are not in your outline that we see a lot of discussion around, they might be worth including. So it's like, it can help you see a blind spot, uh, help you see something you didn't, you know, you didn't consider including. Um, I know some writers who use it for brainstorming ideas or, uh, you know, asking for feedback on an article. Hey, can you edit this or make it shorter? Um, I've done a, I've done a lot of finding resources. You know, can you share some recent statistics about this particular topic and include all of the sources? That way, I can go and double check them because we all know it's not right all the time. Um, but it can give you a good starting point. So, uh, research, finding sources, and and just getting feedback on the things that you're creating, I think, are are really great ways you can use it in your content creation that still preserves like what's special about you and your content, but saves you some time on the back on the back end. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, I check out complaints about AI and in most cases, uh, complaints like it's not creative, it's generic. And I agree. AI is the best yep. rewriting tool. The mm -hmm. best rewriting, rewriting, not writing. So yeah. I don't know how to get uh, great writing. Uh, of course, uh, you can uh, set up the right prompts. And I remember when Elon Musk did it before uh, uh, he criticized. AI, ChatGPT, he uh, shared on Twitter uh, his prompts of using AI, ChatGPT. And uh, when I check out his question, that was hard written question. And I spent a few times to read to understand what Elon Musk wanna uh, ask uh, ChatGPT. And he got this unique reply, really unique, because of using the right prompts. Uh, but I see when people set up prompts like uh, how to play guitar, how to lose weight, <laughs> you know, gen generic prompts. And uh, I spoke with my brother. Uh, he, he has good, you know, good salary. Everything looks fine in accounting. So uh, high position. And he told me that in accounting, he, do, he doesn't know how to adapt 
uh, AI. So uh, he told that technologies didn't change for a long time, like 20 years. I don't know. I, I think the future will be different because I'm not sure that uh, AI uh, ignores this big industry, like uh, plus $144 billion in the US alone, just for services. And uh, can you tell about how to play with AI to become creative? So any tips about that? Yeah, so uh, one of the things you can do is uh, is ask for ideas. So um, what I, th I think everyone is creative, honestly. I think everyone is already creative. And uh, if you're not sure, I always say, think about how many ways you've imagined that things could go wrong. You've imagined so many ways that things could go wrong. And that is a really good indication that you actually know how to come up with all kinds of content ideas. You know how to think differently. You know how to kind of like keep ideas flowing we just don't usually have the right prompt, much like ChatGPT. We don't have the right prompt for our creativity. So sometimes you can use uh, a tool like that, ChatGPT or any generative AI, to kind of give you a starting point. So um, you can ask what other people are doing, right? So I, I have actually asked ChatGPT, how do how can authors use you as a tool to be more efficient? How can writers use you as a tool to be more efficient? Like it'll give you ideas for where to start, kind of help you get things flowing. Um, I think you can also use it to give feedback on an idea. Uh, like I said, I shared, you know, here's my outline. Is there anything missing? I mean, that allows me to create better content that's serving my audience more. So getting feedback on things, giving, asking for ideas. Um, and I think also just, it makes you think differently. So to your point about, uh, you know, Elon Musk had come up with uh, a very specific prompt and that was able to get, you know, different information out of it. I think using it as a tool, right, almost like you're exercising, like practice with your brain. How do I ask questions in different ways to get different response? It's just kind of training your brain um, because the, the reality is anyone who has had to um, work with freelancers, with a writer or a designer, you already know how to write prompts with ChatGPT because you make briefs. You try to explain to a third party, here's what I want, here's what I don't want, here's an example of something similar, uh, please make it this long or this size, right? We're used to delivering specific instructions to a third party in hopes of getting back what we want. And if you have done this work before, worked with a freelance writer or a designer, you know that if you give them a bad brief, if you make a bad request, you're going to get something back that's not useful. So I think it's actually can make you a better creator, a better manager, a better uh, collaborator by helping train you to ask better questions and provide better prompts so that the work you're doing with others is going to be stronger as a result. Yeah, nice. Valuable. Valuable. Love it. Love it. Uh, Melanie, I have the question about uh, marketing strategy. You know, yeah. I see you share a lot about marketing and uh, what I can see when companies, uh, you know, they usually check out competitors, analyze them and replicate, do the same. Um, I think it's not a good idea if your competitors have their strong sides, for example, if they're good with YouTube. It doesn't mean that you can film great videos to compete with them or in SEO if someone is good with writing. It's better to find your strong side. And mm -hmm. can you tell how to do it? For example, um, if you know your competition, you know customers, how to create the right strategy that considers unique selling proposition? 100%. So 
you're totally right. I fully agree with you, by the way, on, uh, you know, looking at what the competition is doing. I think it's helpful information to know. You want to be aware of what your competition is doing, but what they're doing works for them, for their team, their resources, yeah. their audience, and yours are not the same. Uh, there's a lot of things similar about your business, but you're not the same. And so, um, the first thing I always tell people to think about, and this, it could be for you as an individual or for, you know, your team, your organization, what is our first content language? What is the way that we communicate most efficiently? For a lot of people, that's going to be writing. Writing is the way that they can communicate more efficiently. For some folks, like the example you shared, video. I, I They love creating video. They have resources to create video and they communicate very efficiently. So you want to think about that first to say, okay, what is our best way to communicate our message? What are the skills that we have on our team? What are the tools that we have? You know, if we need cameras or microphones or whatever else, um, are we well equipped to, to tell stories in that way? That's going to give you a good indication of where your content might fit best. If you are really good at writing and not good at video, YouTube is probably not a place where you're going to want to spend a ton of time yeah. because it's not the best fit for the content you're creating. Uh, you might look at blogging. You might look at an email newsletter. You might look at something like, uh, you know, LinkedIn or or Twitter where you can just use the written word more easily. If you're really good at creating graphics and images, well, like maybe link, uh, LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest is a place where you want to be because that's where images thrive. So that's kind of like the first step, I think, of figuring out where you're going to be able to have the best impact is to say, what kind of content do we create most effectively and where does that content you know, have the best chance of success? So that's one place to start. Um, the other thing I would do if you're looking at your competition is try to figure out what they're not doing, because if all of your competition is on, you know, maybe you're in a, in a B2B space and all of your competition is on LinkedIn and they're posting eBooks and they're posting white papers and they're posting, uh, you know, PDF reports, you have a real chance to stand out if you're on TikTok. Um, you mentioned uh, accounting. So there's a guy on TikTok, uh, his username is Duke Loves Accounting, um, and he is TikTok famous, he's got millions of followers talking about accounting, right? And you wouldn't think that. You'd think, oh, accounting, like I have a tie, I have a suit, I have a briefcase, I need to be on LinkedIn being a professional, right? He's over on TikTok doing skits, putting a, you know, I don't know, like a, a shirt on his head and pretending that he's another character talking to himself. Like he's having so much fun and he's attracting a huge audience because there's very little competition. There's not a bunch of other accountants trying to make it on TikTok. So either looking at what the competition is doing as a way to say, here's what they're not doing. And that's something I could try. Uh, or looking at your own resources and saying, here's where, what we can create most, you know, create most easily and where we can have the most success, I think are the two things you want to start with. Nice. Nice. Love it. Yeah. Awesome. I agree. And, uh, I want to ask you about, uh, patience. You know, it's interesting that, um, I see when content creators lose patience because they can't get results. By the way, uh, most of them lose patience after creating the first piece of content, according to studies, you know, for example, yeah, uh, yeah. Most, uh, podcasters don't record the second episode of podcast because they can't get results from the first one. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> really <laughs> guys, you asked me a hundred times. I don't know how to get results <laughs> even after 10 episodes. It takes time. Yeah. And I remember Mr. Beast posted content on YouTube uh, an year and a half to get first thousand subscribers. PewDiePie did it uh, 
uh, he filmed 100 videos to get 285 subscribers. Not a lot, no. But this well-known influencers didn't give up because of loving what they do. And you mentioned about passion. So without passion, it's better not to do it. Don't force yourself if you are suffering after that. If you love it, then go ahead. You know, 100% all in. You can choose yeah. one platform, go ahead. So Melanie, can you tell about your method to be patient? Because, you know, sometimes I see when writers are looking for inspiration, motivation, why they need to write today, but great book offers uh, do their jobs. They don't care about uh, something like this. They have discipline, they have a schedule. So any tips about that? Yeah, this is something. So my co-founder at Creator Kitchen, uh, Jay Akenzo, is really good about this. He calls it having a practice. Um, he said, I don't get writer's block because I have a deadline. I have to deliver. I have something that needs to be done by a certain time. And that's my job, just like you were saying. So uh, I think having discipline and having some sort of practice, like this is why I'm doing this because it's Wednesday and that's when we do this, um, is, is a really good way to keep yourself accountable. Uh, the other thing you can do is, is you got to build it into your schedule. That's one thing I see happen a lot where people say, okay, well, I'm going to put all this effort into YouTube, but did you actually put time on your calendar to, to film the video, to come up with ideas, to edit the video, to, to craft the descriptions and the captions and post it and share it because that stuff doesn't just happen. So if you're not actually building that time into your calendar, into your schedule and saying, here's when I'm going to do those things they're probably not going to get done. It's really easy to forget, blow it off, to have a busy week and not do it when it's not actually part of your to-do list and your calendar as all the other tasks that you do. So those things are important. Uh, the thing about patience is, you know, these, as you said, these things do take time. And I think if you're thinking of content as like a get rich quick scheme, or, you know, you want to like hustle and get a side income, you know, in the next three weeks, that's, that's not how it works, right? At the end of the day, what we're doing when we create content is building a relationship. We are building a relationship with an audience. They have to learn to trust us. They have to know what to expect from us. And we have to deliver, whether it's entertainment, information, or some other kind of value, consistently enough that they trust we're going to continue to do that. And that just takes time. It just takes time. You know, at the end of the day, if we're all, these are all strangers to us right now, right? And if you walked into a restaurant, a bar, a party, you wouldn't expect everyone that you've not met to be your best friend, to be willing to drive you to the airport, to, you know, yeah. be willing to do anything for you that that first moment that you meet. It takes time to build that trust and build that relationship. So, you know, seeing it as a long-term goal and not a short-term sprint goes a long way toward helping you, you know, keep up the pace and know that I should not expect these kinds of results right away. I'm going to build it into my routine. I'm going to continue to do this work regularly so that I can grow that in the long term. Yeah, I agree. You know, uh, I like to share examples from uh, hobbies. For example, I love playing basketball. Nobody pays money for my hobby, you know, nobody, you know, I know people can overwatch TV. Nobody pays them. They pay to watch this uh, loving shows. So, yeah, uh, but they keep doing this day by day because of loving uh, what they do. You know, uh, I think it's the same with content yeah. creation. You need to find what you like to do and don't care about results for a long time. Just love it, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I remember a great example from one of uh, Jeff Bezos' friends. He told that he couldn't get results 14 years. 
he couldn't sell even one piece of product 14 years. Today, his company, uh, multi-billion dollar company, 50 uh, offices in 50 countries, well-known product, but he didn't give up 14 years without any sales. Jeff Bezos called him mad, you know, crazy guy, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, if you love what you do, just go in ahead and forget about haters. Just do your job. <laughs> and Melanie, my next question about mistakes, you know, in my life. I made a lot of mistakes. I keep doing them. A lot of mistakes. You know, it's really too hard to count all of these mistakes. Uh, but uh, I got experience how to go ahead. So can you list mistakes that companies still do in uh, content marketing, in marketing, and your tips how to avoid them and find another way? For sure. So one thing that's really common, and we've hopefully, you know, talked people out of this already, but one thing that's really common, as you said, is kind of like looking at your competition and just copying what they're doing. Yeah. That's not going to help you stand out. Worst case scenario, like best case scenario, you're going to look like a bad Im imitation of your competition. It doesn't get you what you want to go. So that's a big one. Um, the other thing we see a lot is people get super excited. Maybe they, it, you know, they're new to a job or they have a new product or something and they go all in, in a way that they cannot maintain. So this is like what you said, you know, someone gets super excited. Oh, we're going to start a podcast. It's going to be amazing. You know, they do one episode and then they're so, they're so overwhelmed. It's not sustainable and they can't keep up the pace. Um, that could mean that they're all of a sudden trying to post every day on TikTok, three times a day on LinkedIn. They're trying to do a YouTube video twice a week and they just overcommit. And then you can't possibly keep up because you're trying to do too much at once. So we see that happen a lot. And then on the other side of trying to do too much and getting overwhelmed, we have the people who are overwhelmed. So they don't do anything. They're just like, I don't, I don't understand TikTok. I've not, I don't want to dance, you know, so I'm not going to try anything. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to do social media or, you know, I don't know how to make a video. So I'm just not even going to engage with that. So you kind of got to find your, your safe spot in the middle to say, Yes, there's a lot of things that I could be doing. Yes, I can't do all of the things. So what do I find the things that I can do so that I don't fall into one of those two traps of doing too much or not doing enough? You want to find that middle ground uh, where you can actually make a difference in your marketing. Nice, nice. Love it, love it. And um, I have the question about your experience. You know, for example, I found that uh, I usually get uh, good results with customers who understand SEO. If they understand, then we can cooperate like a cohesive team because uh, my team, uh, including me, we are not magicians. We don't know how to <laughs> provide results if yeah. someone doesn't understand what we do. So I usually tell customers who ask me, please provide traffic and don't know what kind of traffic, don't know anything about SEO. I tell them, take my course, learn from Lily Ray, Jeff Coyle, Mike Phillips, plus 50 top well-known experts uh, shared lessons on this course. So you can learn it costs like 10, $10, $20, you know, but you can get basics, what we need to do, why we need to create high quality content. And Melanie, I have the question to you. Let's imagine you started from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. Mm -hmm. You didn't write these uh, awesome <laughs> books. What will you do today to learn more about marketing, journalism, writing, and uh, to acquire this experience again? Yeah. So there's a few folks that I trust a lot in the space. And I'm, I'm looking at my bookshelf because I, I keep my favorites <laughs> close by. Um, Everybody Writes by Anne Hanley is a book that I recommend all the time. Uh, she just released a second edition. 
And this is such a really good starting point for understanding what you can do with content, the role that content can play, the benefits of content, and how to create content people actually care about. So I would say that's probably a really good starting point if, if this is completely new. Um, but I think that uh, honestly, I'd probably try to identify some of the best events in the space. So whether that's like webinars or, or online courses or in-person events where I can learn from a lot of people at once, uh, I think that's probably going to be the most effective way to just gather a ton of information uh, from different experts all at one time. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. And uh, can you tell how you divide learning and practice? Because I see, yeah. you know, when people learn and do nothing, almost nothing, you know, I think it's better to practice, to provide, to implement, and I prefer to learn less, but to practice more, to make my hands dirty, you know, yeah, yeah. what do you think about Oh, that's a really good one. So I, I'll be the first to admit, I probably tip too much toward the learning side myself. Um, mm -hmm. I think everybody learns in, in different ways, right? I know that some people yeah. really learn best by doing. Um, I, I'm a kind of person who has a lot of questions. And so I kind of just keep digging and keep asking until I feel like, okay, I understand it. Now I'm going to do that. Um, so I think it's, it's different for everybody, but yeah, it's, uh, it's important when you start that learning process to mm -hmm. think about what your goal is and to have like an endpoint. So one thing that works really well for me is to say, okay, I'm going to use the next week to learn about this topic. And then starting on Monday, I'm going to be doing that thing, right? Um, to give myself a deadline to say like, this is how long I'm going to like, and depending on the project, it might make sense to do longer, but this is how long I'm going to allow myself to be in the discovery phase. And this is when I'm going to switch into the action phase. Because you're right, if you don't, there's always going to be more to learn. There's always going to be things you don't know. And so if you don't have that deadline, that action point, um, it can be really difficult to, to switch into it. So um, it's funny, this is something that uh, with Creator Kitchen that we kind of like built into it because we found that exact same thing. Like I'm not I'm not the only one who can get stuck in that learning phase. Uh, and especially with creatives, we feel like there's always more uh, that you could be learning. So um, like for us, what we do is we built in co-working days. So there are days where it's not a learning day. We show up and everybody is working at the same time. So it's like a way to say, to kick it into action, to say, Today's not a day for watching videos, reading articles. Today, we're going to all together make progress on our goals. We're going to work on making something happen. And you have that accountability of, you know, you know, in two hours when this sprint is done, we're going to be asked, what did you complete? What did you do? What did you work on? And what progress did you make? So uh, I think finding some, some method of accountability that works for you. If your own accountability doesn't work, then finding buddies, friends, colleagues <laughs> that you can uh, have accountability with can help. Yeah, you can ask on Google, you know, if you want to learn from others. So, yeah. And you mentioned a few times about Creator Kitchen. Uh, I, I know that all companies have their unique selling proposition, their benefits, uh, advantages. Yeah. So can you tell what kind of customers uh, you have and uh, what is your strong side to help much better than your competitors in this field? Yeah. So interestingly, there's not actually a lot of, uh, of companies that, that do what we do. So um, we're not selling a product. We are a sort of membership mastermind hybrid. So the ideal member of the Creator Kitchen is someone who's been creating in some capacity. We have writers, podcasters, speakers, things like that, um, typically for five years or more. So 100% of our members have five or more years experience creating whatever it is they create. 
and, and actually two thirds of them have 10 years experience. So these are senior folks. This is not, not necessarily an introductory course or, you know, sort of like a place to start out. It's really for folks who have hit a point where I need, I need friends. I need a community. I need a people to help me accountable and help me continue to grow because a lot of the resources are for people who are just starting out. So senior marketers, senior creators who are looking for community, looking for accountability and looking for a really flexible way to continue to grow creatively. Because I think, uh, what Jay and I have found is that for a lot of folks, you know, if you, you write a book or you start a podcast, you kind of can just get into a cycle and get complacent. It's very difficult to continue to push yourself to continue to try new things when you found something that works well. So having that space where it's like, I'm surrounded by other creators, by other creative energy, uh, and we're, we're helping one another, we're giving each other feedback. Uh, it's just a really good way to ensure that you're still continuing to grow. Nice, nice. Love it, love it. Melanie, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you. You always share a lot of valuable insights. So kind with that. Tell the best way how to keep learning from you, how to follow you, how to reach out to you. Yeah. So if you're curious about Creator Kitchen, that's just creatorkitchen.com. So you can learn plenty about that. Let me know if you have questions. Happy to happy to help. Uh, and my website is storyfuel.co. So story, F-U-E-L.co. That's where you could learn about my books, about, you know, bringing me in to speak if that's of interest. Just find all my social links so you can connect with me wherever you like to hang out and create content. Nice, nice, guys. And I recommend to read these awesome books, Approved uh, Content Fuel Framework, because it's very important today to be creative in your content creation process. If you're not creative, then generic marketing doesn't work. It's better to create one piece creative content than a hundred pieces, the same content, similar right. content that we have online. Melanie, thanks again. A big pleasure. Love all your valuable insights. You're so kind, so, so kind, you know, to share Thank all you. this value. Guys, you need to follow Melanie because you can see a lot of value. Okay, love you. See you.